and Anarchy Radio Show. I'm your host, Danny Anarchy Moore. This is the Jazz Episode 2.0. I have a guest, Mike Walton, who has a new project out. Before he joins me, we're going to play a single for him. Here's Merging Lanes on Anarchy Radio Show.
Now joining me is Mike Walton. He's a musician and jazz artist who I connected with through my guest on a previous jazz episode, Larry Wilson. You just heard Merging Lanes, and he joins me to talk about it. Mike, welcome to the Anakee Radio Show. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Great, great, great. Um, so my guy Larry had posted and, and gave you a, a plug for your project, so I just had to reach out and see if I could get you on. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I've been playing with Larry for like the past year. He's definitely became my new favorite drummer in Atlanta. So I definitely love Larry. Larry's a great musician, great person. So yeah, I definitely told him appreciate for uh, for giving me the connect. For sure, for sure. So let's get into it. Let's talk about you. So here's a question I like to ask my uh, guests. Um, I'm frame it to you this way. Talk to me about that moment or your most vivid memory of when you first fell in love with music? Uh, that is a tough question. Uh, I definitely do remember growing up, and this would probably be an odd thing to say, but I definitely remember growing up thinking that I wasn't necessarily a fan of music in general. I know that's kind of odd to hmm, say, but... Okay. Uh, because when I was growing up, you know, my friends, you know, anybody my age, they were listening to what was on the radio at the time, you know, the top 40s, you know, R&B, hip-hop, sure. rap, all of that. And I wasn't really into any of it. The only thing I was listening to that I actually enjoyed was uh, movie soundtracks. Uh, my favorite movies at the time, well, they still are, you know, I'm a huge, you know, fan of Star Wars. Uh, Me too. Yeah, uh, uh, the music of John Williams is 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 John has always been my favorite, one of my favorite composers of film music, and that's what I was listening to, and so I just kind of felt I always felt you know out of place because nobody else was you know seemed to be into that, so everybody was saying you know TLC, and I was saying the, I was listening to you know the theme from Jurassic Park. Right, 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 and but. I guess in the back in the background, my dad was always playing uh, funk music, uh, Tower Power, James Brown, gotcha. Andrew. And I said I didn't like it at the time. And I was like, yeah, this, this old people music. But I guess <laughs> it was just planting seeds. Sure, that's exactly what Because as I got older, uh, especially once I got into high school, I would revisit some of it, and I would just... I would, instantly love it and I was like well, this is stuff that I when I heard as a kid I didn't like it so uh, and it's the same thing my mother my mother she listened to R&B uh, Luther Vandross Temptations and all that which stuff as I get older I find that I appreciate it more and more and but as uh, time went on you know of course you know I started getting so well maybe I do actually kind of like music you know a little bit and it wasn't until 6th grade that you know that's when we they would, uh, the students in the schools around here just started joining band. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, joining band. I just kind of went along with it because my you know, parents brought it up. And I ended up choosing saxophone. And I was like, okay, saxophone, this might be kind of fun. And I started to like it the okay. more I played. And I was like, okay, I feel like, you know, I kind of belong with a group and things like that. So all those social interactions, you know, being in, just being able to, identify with a group. I got you. But as far as music is concerned, as far as especially jazz, yeah, jazz again was something that I didn't really pay that much attention to. Like I heard big band music, especially best ones I got in high school and I liked it. Okay. You know. But it wasn't until my junior in high school we had an assistant teacher, his name was Kenyon Carter. And he gave me a copy of Charlie Parker live at Massey Hall, 1955. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was all, uh, yeah, it was Bird, Dizzy Gillespie, you know, that, that. And I heard it and I was like, wait, saxophone can really do this. You know, it's like, it was just, Charlie Parker was just doing stuff on the saxophone that I never heard. Uh, and at the time, the only saxophone player I knew about was Kenny G. <laughs> You know, right, right, because you were young, so that was before right, the time. Right. You know, that's all I heard. You know, of course, my mom likes Kenny G also, so that's all I heard. So when I heard Charlie Parker, I was just like, whoa, what is this? What's going on? And I fell in love with that. So that summer, 
I decided to take lessons with Ken. And, you know, couldn't after that he gave me a copy of Kind of Blue, which of course Kind of Blue is the classic. You know, what has not been said about yeah that's that's what hooked everybody that's what me and larry would talk about when he was on that's what got every, that's the one that got most people into jazz right and of course you know for me as a saxophone player that also gave me a chance to hear cannibal adley and john coltrane and you know that's that's what got everybody hooked and again it was just an album i just listened to like over and over and over again and i was like man this is this is incredible music however it wasn't until Kane gave me a copy of the third album, you know, the third last album he would copy for me. And this was John Coltrane's Blue Train. Okay. And that album, you know, I'd already heard Coltrane, and that's like, and I love his playing, I love the sound, I thought he was a great player, but something about that album, the way he played, just had a ferocity about it. That just, and I literally remember saying, it's like, yeah, I have to do this for the rest of my life to some capacity, even if it's not my main gig, even if I'm, I got a quote, quote, day job or something like that, I have to learn how to play this way. And it was something that was just so unexplainable, you know, and I spent years trying to study, you know, up on trains, like, what was it about that album that just kind of hit me? Okay. And it's still kind of hard to explain, but, you know, that was, that's definitively when I was like, okay, I, you know, I need to get serious about this. I want to do this. Gotcha. So what made you transition into from or to go from studying other uh, jazz artists and, and things like that to transition to creating your own music? Uh, I always wanted to make my own music. I mean, literally, like, as far as composing, that literally comes from, I guess, childhood listening to uh, the movie soundtracks, the film soundtracks. And gotcha. sometimes I would hear as little as just the three-second quote and think, man, those three seconds were the most gorgeous three seconds I've ever heard. You know, wish Yeah, it just that. catches your ear. Like yeah. And, of course, that, you know, as I got into jazz and other styles of music, too, it's the same thing. It's just like, you know, it's like, man, I wish I could do or write things like these guys are writing. Uh, but I didn't really attempt to try to write my own or try to create my own music until, again, until high school. And it first started, I tried to write maybe like a somewhat quasi-classical thing. And I, I just never finished it because I just, you know, I didn't know where to take it. Uh, the first piece I ever did complete, though, was was something for big band. Okay. And it was a it was a high, it was a it was a stand it was a stand tune that we played in the stands during football games. And I kind of took that melody and just sort of wrote like an entire big band arrangement around it. Cool. And we played it, and it you know it it you know like I said it, it it actually ended up working. It was just like that was my first taste of like oh ooh, this is what it's like to you know, to have somebody play music that you wrote. And from there on, you know, going throughout my undergrad about Austin, you know, I would, at least once or twice a year, I would try to, you know, write a tune for the combo or one for the big band, something like that, just getting more practice. And that's usually how, that's, that's basically how I operated for many years, just trying to write, write these tunes as sort of experiments to see, oh, okay, what can I, you know, what works, what doesn't work, you know, what can I get away with? Uh, going into this project, however, it really, it, it really just was the fact that, okay, I have, I have these, 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 uh, these compositions. And I've, I had already played them live at gigs. And somebody kind of planted an idea. It's like, well, you got these tunes now, man. You should, should do an album. And, and I thought about it. And um, at the, at, yeah, right around the same time, you know, a real close friend of mine, his name's Darren English, who plays trumpet. He had just put out an album also. Okay. So just, you know, he kind of, he also kind of inspired me to like, you know, say, okay, yeah, I got this, got these tunes now. Let's, let's do an album. And that's, I mean, 
that's just really just kind of where it went. It's just like, okay, yeah, I just it's it's it's. Well, it, it sounds like it's a, it was just an evolution of you, you know, forming, working on your craft and creating your ideas for songs. And then it just naturally evolved into um, from just gigging and then just turned into uh, inspiration for a whole project. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it still just goes back to like, you know, one day I want to you know, I want to be able to listen to something I wrote and have that feeling of, like, when I hear that, those three seconds of John Williams' music, and I'm just totally in love with that three seconds, you know. And, you know, it's, it'll probably never happen, you know, because it's something that I wrote, and so I already know it, but just sort of, you know, even if it doesn't happen for me, just being able to do that for somebody else, you know, it's like, you know, somebody else can hear three seconds of something I wrote and have the same feeling that I had listening to John Williams, just being able to share that with somebody else. I got you. So talk about Merging Lanes. What was the inspiration behind Merging Lanes? Why why Merging Lanes for the title of the project? Well, okay, so Merging Lanes... And it's, it's kind of it's kind of two stories it's kind of woven into one, but the most surface level reason why it's called Merging Lanes is because out of all the things they had to learn in Atlanta, learning how to merge lanes while driving in Atlanta was like one of the toughest things. Wow, that so, is so interesting. Literally, like when I so I went to I went to grad school with GSU in 2012. And while I was driving up there, you know, you, you almost, uh, when I first when you first move up there, you, until you start learning the back roads, you usually gonna end up getting on seven five eighty five or something. Right. And so I'm trying to find my exit. You know, I'm trying to go into a jam session or something like that. And then I said, like, oh, okay, here's my exit. And I put on the turn signal, and nobody will let me over. You know, it's just like, <laughs> can, I, can I move on, please? You know, so nobody, they, you know, they would speed up or. Sure. I would try to merge planes, and I would hear somebody honking their horn, and eventually I just kind of realized, it's like, alright, put your blinkers on, and then just swerve over to the next lane, and just hope the person behind you, you know, has a sense of self-preservation. Yeah, you gotta so, be aggressive at some point. Right, so, you know, obviously, it's all merging lanes, but the, 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 I guess the deeper meaning of the title is, uh, I guess to me, life is that way also, you know, i this this term this this is uh, this phrase that I've heard for for years, you know somebody you know somebody will tell you to stay in your lane. Right. It's like hey, hey you, you know, right you know stay in your lane. Usually like when somebody's trying to do something that they're not ready for, they're not capable of doing. You know somebody said like, hey you can stay on your lane or, or stay on your level or something like that. And I heard that too. You know I would sometimes go to a session and I would say hey you know, let's play. Let's play this song. Let's play Giant Steps. So let's play this Benny Golson tune. And I would start to play. And then, even if nobody said it, you know, you could sometimes would feel that vibe somebody else was giving. It's like, yeah, you need to stay on, stay in your lane. You know, you ain't ready to play right. Giant Steps. You ain't gotcha. ready to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's not just with music. I mean, it's just with anything. You know, sports. Absolutely. Uh, right. So... You know, my thing was, it's like, okay, fine, I'm not, I'm not ready to play this. Well, I need to go back and I need to share. I need to go practice until I'm ready. So you, you, you know, the way I look at it, that's you know, you put your blink on until somebody's saying, okay, yeah, you ready to go on. So I practice and practice and practice, and then finally I'm ready to, you know, merge on to the next le- next level. I got it. And it's like, okay, fine. You know, and so in in music and in life in general. You know, we all have our lanes that we have to stay in until we're ready to merge on to the next lane. Unfortunately, sometimes, even if we are more than ready to merge to the next lane, you're going to have those people who don't want you to. You know, they're going right. to right. yeah, try to keep yeah. you from progressing. And, you know, whether it's people, whether it's life, you know, whenever you try to move up in life or try to improve yourself, it's always going to be something or someone is going to try to stop you. And so sometimes merging lanes or changing levels or whatever ends up turning into like a fight, you know, which is why the, you know, why the song sounds the way that it does. You know, it's, 
it's sort of a you know, it's kind of a mean progress. You know, you gotta you gotta be ready to kinda like, hey, look, you know, I'm ready to do this. You yeah, gotta take that leap. Yeah, take say, that hey, jump, look. take that leap to make it happen. Right, you know, so just you know, and and all this just improving yourself, which everybody tells you, you know, it's like, Yeah, you need to improve yourself until you actually start doing it. And then those same people may sometimes be the ones trying to keep you from improving for whatever reason that might be. So that's the and so the reason why I'm behind calling the project Merging Lanes is because that for a musician, you don't really seem to get noticed until you start putting out your own music. You know, there are plenty of musicians in town who are great musicians, but, you know, they don't have any of their own music. You know, they just know that. Hey, that's that guy who can The gig guy. Play. It just gig everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. But once... But once they put out their own music, you know, that's when they, there's another, there's another that gets put to them. It's like, oh, okay, that's what you sound like. Sure, you can play all these standards or you can play all these tunes, but now we know what is really going on in his head. What, what, does, what does his actual original music sound like? And even though I've been in Atlanta for, several years now it wasn't until people started hearing tunes that original tunes that i wrote that you know i guess i started they started elevating me in there in the head as a little musician that i was so for for a lot of for musicians you know i guess for musicians musicians not even in atlanta but just everywhere you know once you put out your original stuff that's when you know, you go into the next level of being a musician. It's like, you got your own voice now. So, in a sense, you know, of me finally putting out this album, now, you know, now I get the merge length, you know. I got it. So, you know, having had a chance to listen to the project, um, for me, I think it's a mix of a lot of, of traditional styles of swing jazz. I heard the little bossa nova tempo um, music and you got some ballads on there as well so it's a really well-rounded project so talk about um shout out some of the musicians and people you collaborated with on the project yeah uh, and this is probably what i'm most satisfied with is the fact that i was able to get these guys on this project um i really looked out and got some of the best musicians i think in the world absolutely you know? yes you uh, did so I guess the first one that comes to mind is uh, Melvin Jones, uh, trumpet player, and I actually first I actually first heard about him you know, when he released his album. This was almost this was over ten years ago, I think. Okay. Uh, Melvin Jones is just an incredible musician, incredible trumpet player, uh, and even since I first met him, you know, every time I have you know every time I have questions, he's always been one you know to you know, give me advice and say, hey, yeah, you probably want to do this, you know, don't do that, you know, definitely want to talk to this person, you need to try to practice this, and all that, all that stuff. And he, you know, when I was, when I was writing Virgin Lanes, you know, I had a couple of trumpet players in mind. One was Russell Gunn, and the other was Melvin Jones, just somebody that has that forceful nature behind the plane, like, you know, this, you, you know, you can get the ideas, but there's, like, this grit, this dirtiness behind it. Okay. So, um, and after that, uh, there's Ty- uh, Tyrone Jackson. Tyrone Jackson is on, uh, on keyboards. And the same thing can be said about Tyrone oh, Jackson. Oh, man. He's given, uh, incredible. Advice, um, just added so much to these tunes. Uh, and, on top of that, too, you know, when I first brought the tunes to him, you know, there was, there was nothing to really explain. I just showed the tunes, like, hey, I want to do this, and immediately got it. Um, and I'm probably going to be saying the same thing about just about all these musicians. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's Melvin, there's Tyrone, there's uh, on guitar. I actually had two guitar players. There's, uh, one was Rick Lawley. He's on track number three. Okay. And Rick has... Rick Rick has the most perfect balance between jazz and blues that I've ever heard. Um, literally, his playing just sounds like a country road 
during the sunset during the summer. <laughs> is yeah. the most gorgeous yeah. man I've ever yeah, seen. Most gorgeous man I ever heard. And so when I wrote Smooth. that song, the style that it sends, and I kind of wanted to have that kind of blues, kind of country road type of style. And the entire time I wrote this idea, yeah, there's nobody else I want playing guitar on this and other than Rick Lowe. In fact, I actually scheduled one of those days around Rick. I was like, yeah, you have to play on this. If you can't play on this, then I'm not recording because it, it has to be you. And, of course, once Rick played on it, it was just like, yeah, it was absolutely perfect. Um, the other guitar player is, his name is uh, Rod Harris Jr., and Rod is a notable too. He's got his own style. He's more, you know, definitely got that R&B neo soul type of sound. Okay. But again, I love his playing. Uh, just, just straight, just straightforward, you know, guitar playing. You can't get much better than that. Uh, bass player is a guy named Craig Shaw. Craig Shaw is just, yeah, you, when it comes to bass playing, again, like Rod, you can't get. You can't really get any better than Craig Shaw. I mean, you can stick any music in front of Craig and he will read it down perfectly. Uh, and on top of that, Craig is, you know, one of the nicest guys that you can possibly meet. You know, he's, he's a bit of a character, but, you know, that's what that was, that's what makes him better. Uh, on drums, uh, he was 17 at the time of recording it. 17 okay, awesome. But it's a, it's a kid named uh, Morgan Garrett. And Morgan, he plays beyond beyond his years because you would think that that was a a seasoned jazz player. Oh well, yeah. Um, in fact, that's his that's his primary instrument. Uh, he's been playing. He had been playing drums since three. But when I first met him, I first met him when he was fourteen, and he was uh, playing saxophone. And I thought, oh yeah, this kid can play. He's pretty good. So I was just playing with him. We were trained back and forth over at April, so. And the more we kept training, the more he kept just pulling out these ideas and licks and lines. I was like, wait a minute, where's this kid getting this from? And it is, you know, like I said, the kid was 14, you know. Wow. And by the, by the time we got done playing, I was just like, you know, this, this, this kid is special. You know, it's, it's one thing, it's one thing to hear a kid, um, be able to have that technical ability, you know, um, that I, I met kids, you know, you hear a kid at 14, you sound just like Charlie Parker. And, you know, when he's, when he's taking a solo, you know, I can tell, okay, yeah, he's doing this, he's doing that, which, which doesn't take away from the fact that a 14 year old can, can do that, you know, cause I right. really could be 14, but Morgan was apologies. playing things that would just be on that. I like I, I could listen and have no idea where he's pulling it from. And so, you know, and it's not just saxophone too, it's keyboard, bass, you know, I, you know, in fact he has two albums out on his own. Okay. And yeah, his first album, I think he's sixty percent of the album. <laughs> so Incredible. Like, One man band. And just what just what yeah. makes me more credible, like the last time I saw him was a few months ago. He's actually now playing bass for Esperanza Spalding. Wow. Like let that sink in. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, a prodigy. You play, yeah. Like you playing bass for a bass player. That's like me playing yeah. saxophone for Chris Potter. Right, know? right. But he's on top of him being just such an incredible musician, he's also just an incredible person. Like he's extremely down to earth and humble. That's great. In fact, uh, he, um, I tried to get all, I tried to get all the recording with him done before he left uh, for the new school when this was being recorded, and uh, and I tried, and I was, while I was talking to him, I was like, yeah, I want to definitely want to, uh, you know, get you in, you know, before you got to go to New York. And even then, he was like, well, you know, if I got to come back down from New York to record, then that's no problem, you know. And I was telling him, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm not really going to be able to pay you that much to fly all the way down to New York. And he was just like, no, nah, I'll do it for free. Wow, just, that's incredible. Right, just, just that type, you know, yeah. of humility, you know. And I'm so glad that I was able to get his get him on, on the record, you know, because, again, he was somebody, I just showed him the music, and I told him what I was looking for, and it's like he could read my mind, you know. he Everything that he did, was just absolutely perfect. Like I've never had anything to say to him. It was like it was just like what he came up with was exactly what was needed. And 
The last musician, the last musician on there was a piano player named Julian Reed, who filled in for Tyrone one night when he couldn't come in. Okay. And, and this was actually only my second time meeting Julian Reed, uh, and I wasn't too sure about his piano playing. I was like, I don't know, it's gonna sound, but he came in, sat down, and I gave the music to him. He played. It was. It was it was great, and I love this band also. So I was like, yeah. so it was kind of a release for me. But yeah, those are the all the musicians that are on that record, and as you clearly heard, like they to me they made all of that music, you know, just come to life. Oh, and for sure, <laughs> for sure. It's a it's a it's a high quality. You have some high caliber musicianship on this project, so. Um, salute to all the guys, all the players uh, on this project, because this is really high-quality jazz. So kudos to all of y'all. Um, so, yeah, so as we wrap up, um, tell my listeners where they can get the project and um, how they can connect to you and, and contact you if they want to get you to their cities to hear you. Uh, this is now this is the part of the record that I was not familiar with promoting, uh, but it's on it's on iTunes or whatever variation they're doing now. Um, you, you can easily find it. Just type in my name, Mike Walton, or type in Merchant Lanes, and it'll pop up. Uh, if they want a physical copy, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, it's Mike Walton in India, in the Atlanta area, and they can send me a message or. Or you know something like that, and then I can send them one. Uh, also, too, I usually uh, post when I'm doing the gig, you know, doing like small group things. In fact, uh, uh, on the 29th, June 29th, I'll be at a place called Brew and Bird out in Decatur. If anybody's in Atlanta during that time, and I'm doing a, a, a record release uh, celebration slash concert, and uh, Larry, actually, Larry will be playing on that one too. Okay, cool. And I'm also now trying to schedule something for uh, Jacksonville. I think Larry did did an album release. Uh, he did. He did. Yeah, Breezy's here in Jacksonville. Yeah, so, so I'm trying to get one scheduled down there. Larry's helping me with that. Awesome. Uh, Please let me know so so I can come out and support. And that's yeah, and that's a. Uh, as I keep going, keep trying to promote it. You know, soon it's going to be on uh, SoundCloud and YouTube also, and I'll definitely let people know when it's there. But for right now, like those are the two ways of, of getting a getting a copy. All right. So all my listeners, if you're on Team Apple, then make sure you go to iTunes and check it out. And uh, like I said, if you're a jazz head, you're a jazz fan. This is a project that you're really going to enjoy. So Mike, I uh, really appreciate it. Some time with you. All the best with the project. And uh, thank you for being on the Key Radio Show. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was Mike Walton. Make sure you go check out his new jazz project, Merging Lanes, available digitally now. Now let's get back into the music. We've been talking about Miles Davis, so let's play some Miles Davis. Here's a night in Tunisia on the Key Radio Show.
That was Head to the Sky by Ben Tankard. And before that was my guy, Jamel Johnson, with Gimme Five. Now it's time to wrap up the show with the Any Key Music moment. My guest made a great point about merging lanes. As a native New Yorker, one of the biggest challenges in driving is knowing how to navigate through the heavy traffic. You have to be able to change lanes quickly to make your way around the city. If you're afraid of passive, two things are going to happen. You either get passed by or you will get stuck, unable to move. That's how life is as well. There are certain times and certain moments you have to be aggressive and make your move so that you don't miss moments or life opportunities. You have to keep moving and making it happen to get in that lane that leads you to the place in life that you're trying to get to. That's it for this episode of the Any Key Radio Show. I want to thank my guest Mike Walton for joining me. If you have any questions, comments, would like to be a part of the show, or well, if you want your music to be featured on the show, send an email to kannmusicpub at gmail.com. Again, that's kannmusicpub at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, and rate on whatever outlet you listen to to let me know what you think of the show and so you can get alerts when new episodes are available. You can connect to me on social media at coach underscore A-N-Y-K-E-N-Y on Twitter and Instagram and on my Facebook music page, Any Key Music spelled capital A-N-Y, capital K-E, lowercase b, lowercase n, and capital Y. So until next time, remember, be positive on purpose.